Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Picky Bookworm podcast. After a week off, um, I took my birthday off last week, and I am ready to get back into it and start with the weekly chats again. This week, I have William Rowe Seymour on the show today. Um, He is an author that I have gotten to know on Twitter, and he is getting ready to start his own podcast. So um, we decided that this would be a really fantastic time for him to come on the show and um, just kind of talk about our various uh, podcasting styles and, of course, writing and books and all those fun things that we get out of life. So grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline. We're going to get started. So... You um, are Roe on Twitter. Is that your yeah. preferred name? Basically, uh, I'll just, uh, on all legal documents, I use my real name, William, but for the longest time now, oh God, I'm going on 10 or 11 years, anyone outside of the legal realm has real, called me Roe. It starts from years ago gaming and my love of uh, Game of oh, not Game of Thrones. Oh my god, I'm staring at the book and I don't know why I said it. But uh, Lord of the Rings, it's short for Rohirrim. And I used that as a gamer tag, oh god, like I said, 10, 11 years ago. Maybe even more now. And it just stuck. So everybody who knows me calls me that outside of you know the bank or, or work or something of that nature. Yeah, I I have had I have several people on Twitter that will use my real name, um, you know. But I have just as many people just call me Picky. Like they don't even try with PB. They don't try with like the full Picky bookworm anything like that. It's just Picky. Um, and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm kind of done with that. <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> What's really funny is when they. Um, ask something either about my husband or say something about my husband, they'll call him Mr. Picky, (laughs) which I think is fantastic. (laughs) And I told him that one day and he's like, I could be Mr. Picky. And I'm like, well, there you go. You're Mr. Picky. So um, you saying that is kind of funny because I immediately called you PB. PB, So I guess apparently I'm not the only one because the first time I ever messaged you, I just used PB. Yeah. Didn't know if I was the only one. Apparently not even close. You are not the only one. Um, It's PB. It's picky. It's, you know, people tend to shorten names. And if they don't know my real name, which is Pamela, um, I sign my blog posts, Pamela. So um, I, you know, if they don't know my real name, then they will just shorten because they're not going to want to DM me or they're not going to want to, you know, comment and say, hi, the picky bookworm. You know, it's just, that's ridiculous. (laughs) So I don't blame them at all. Um, Okay. So real quick, um, give us just a little bit of information about you, just kind of a short little bio, um, what got you started writing, um, and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, well, I've been a reader all my life. Uh, my mother uh, likes to joke about me trying to read, uh, was it um, National Geographic, since I was like two or three years old. Uh, I may or may not have had the book held upside down, but when you're two or three, who cares? Yeah. And But writing for me um, has... Not been. I mean, it's been around. I've been writing novels since 2014. Um, before that, it was always just kind of playing with it. But uh, for me, the big thing is is stories. My love of movies, uh, books, 
video games and it's never even the video game it's the story it, everything else i could actually care little about so i've been uh, about 2014 i was uh, sitting there uh if you ever worked with anybody who's done NaNoWriMo that's been around for quite a while oh yeah forever. Uh, i'd known about it never done it and i sat there with my uh at the time girlfriend now wife um we've been together a long time is i sat i was like i'm gonna try to write a book so it's 2014 ish and that was an utter failure I just she read it and she's like no no <laughs> so I tossed that out but I didn't stop so I turned around and did it again and I got I finished my first real complete novel in 2015 if I'm correct and I've all but finished a book and uncountable number of short stories since pretty much every year um all my stories I like to call on the dark side uh fantasy uh, they're either fantasy slash there's one horror in there. Uh, that one was a NaNoWriMo where I had absolutely no idea what to write on the first day. And my wife, I have a writing group. We used to meet the Panera every Tuesday or Thursday. And she called and she was just, I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to write. So she said, write something that has to do with, um, oh God, I can't uh, I remember what it was. A uh, Christmas horror basically oh, so like, i was like okay like i'll krampus, do that like krampus type horror krampus yes that's it i brain farting on that one and so i was like i'll do that uh 19 days later it was done and just blew right through it i had to travel at the end of the month anyway so i had a limited time and so there's a horror mixed in there with a dark uh fantasy military dragons i have one that's uh post-apocalyptic in America, in America, mostly centered in Nebraska. Uh, I spent four years of my life in Nebraska. So for some reason, I put a book in Nebraska, uh, even though I'm originally from New York. So, uh, oh, so, so, yeah, so when I told you earlier that my husband was New York Italian, you got that like right away. Well, kind of, <laughs> which is funny because I tell people I'm from New York and anybody who happens to listen to your show from New York, but I'm not from the city. We, yeah, me and my wife joked about this last night. He's not here. I, He's from upstate. <laughs> what part of upstate? Uh, the Rome, I think, right there by the oh, Air Force okay. Base. I'll give him yeah. that because oh, oh, anytime I tell people I'm from New York, it's what borough? No, no. Oh, no. yeah. I am from as far north as you can possibly go from the city. I'm literally from the Canadian border. My wife is from as far west in new york as you can go from like the <laughs> buffalo area so like no the city i've never been there i am 37 years old i've never once been to the city she has and she says she will drag me one day <laughs> so i'm like I, I don't know you're gonna you're gonna have a hard time doing it i would but. love to go to central park like that would be um you know other than <clears throat> my opinion that the outside is evil um i i do not like nature um, I get allergies really easily. So I, I don't, I don't like the outside. Um, but the idea of just going to Central Park and just being able to say that I've been to Central Park is just super exciting to me. I don't know why. Um, but that's really, I mean, that or going to see like a Broadway show or something would be like super awesome. Other than that, that's what don't really care. That's what my wife, as she's done, she's done both of them. I have a cousin who lives in, I think, Manhattan. And she, this week, my wife wants to, she wants to take me to a show. She wants to take our son to a show. She's done that kind of stuff. And I, I like to tell her, even though I did spend some time living in Baltimore, like, if I can't comfortably drive my oversized pickup truck into it, I don't want to go. And there's no one in this world who could pay me enough to drive an oversized F-150 into New York City. Oh, it no. Is God, no. <laughs> no. If I, yeah, if I went to New York City, um, it wouldn't matter which borough. If I went to New York City, I would fly and I would take the subway. She'll I, get I would, me on a train one day. I would <laughs> buy, I would buy a gun and just get on the subway. Um, no, not to shoot people randomly, just... <laughs> Um, I, I'm very much a pacifist, but I'm also very much of the opinion that my life is important. Um, and if I need to, I will do what I need to protect my life. Um, mostly because my husband has, um, clinical psychopathy. And if I were to die, 
his psychopathy would take over um and the the world would not be safe so we're you know we we really just want pam to stay alive it's just it's very 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 important yeah, everybody does anyway for more than just <laughs> you know small reasons <laughs> yeah um so yeah we we really just want my husband you know we want pam to stay alive um for the safety of the world so um you had mentioned earlier um, that you enjoy the story behind video games. And I thought that was really funny because I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am, you know, uh, one of my favorite video games and it drives my husband. So it drives him bonkers because I, um, it's Jack two, uh, the second game in the Jack and Daxter, um, mm-hmm. trilogy. And it's my favorite one. I have played and beat that game so many times. Like I can't even tell you how many times I have beat that game. I am determined one of these days. And this is one of the reasons why I continue to play the game, even though I have beat it countless times, I have never once done it in one life. Mm, not ever hard food mode type thing um it is i am pretty i mean i will get probably about a third of the way through the game in one life and then it's like the game decides nope you're done and all of a sudden it just like something will happen and i will just randomly um get hit by somebody you know four or five times and die and I'm like, I just made it through all of this and you're really going to do that to me? Um, but it, yeah, it drives my husband crazy uh, because I will play it, but I will click past the little cutscenes in between all of the various missions. So I'm like, I've seen them all before. I don't care. I just want to get to the gameplay part. So let's go. Um and, you know, the first time he ever saw me play, it frustrated him because he's like, I wanted to watch the cutscene," And I'm like, sorry. And then I try to remember the next time to let the cutscene play and I'd forget and I'd click past it. I'm like, <laughs> so, yeah, you're you're liking the story behind video games. Um, it was just really funny to me because I am the exact absolute exact opposite uh, it does not matter if it's a game I've never played before. Um, if there's a cutscene and I can get past it and get back to playing the game and figure out later what the mission was supposed to be, that's what I want to do. You would absolutely hate the one game I play right now. I've, I've been playing MMOs and games like Assassin's Creed for good 10, 15 years now. And the one MMO I play is Guild Wars 2, and they were just like that. Their first game uh had many cutscenes you could skip you could go through an elaborate story but you could skip when they came out with the second expansion they completely removed the ability to skip because it's done live action in the game it's not a cutscene so that is the number one complaint i hear about it is we can't skip it and i'm like yep they purposely probably i don't know who what developer thought of it but they were like nope <laughs> no ability to skip so you have got to go through all <laughs> yeah i um i had a friend that um she liked um all of those like anime type um mmo mm-hmm. games i don't remember this particular one but she it was like her favorite game and gameplay on it was something like nine hours you know, nine hours of gameplay itself not counting all of the like story behind it and she's like you would love this game you would love this game and I start playing it and I'm like, okay. So there's, you literally play and kill enemies for like 10 seconds. And then there's like 20 minutes of cutscene. And then you have, you know, 10 to maybe 15 minutes of gameplay. And then you have like 30 minutes of cutscene. I'm like, what the heck is up with this game? And she's like, well, that's how it's supposed to be. It's kind of like a movie. And I'm like, movies aren't nine hours long. No. Yeah. I, I think I got through, um, I got 
bored after like the third or fourth cutscene. I was like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I can't do I, it. That description, I wouldn't blame you. I like the story, but I like to still at least do something. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not playing a video game to sit here and watch a movie. If I wanted to do that, I would watch a movie. Um, you know, it's like they're two different things for a reason. Um, but yeah, you had mentioned Assassin's Creed, um, and I, I had started God of War. Uh, the God of War trilogy uh, is another one of my favorite games. I love the platforming games. My husband does not. He prefers the first-person shooter games. I do not. Um, the cam having to work with the two analog sticks to move the camera around, it irritates me. Um, but Assassin's Creed... Um, you know, I had started playing God of War again the other day because I'm like, I just want to play a video game for a little while. And he's like, will you please pick something that is not God of War? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, okay, well, you pick. I'm like, okay, well, you pick something. And he goes, well, we've got this one. We've got this one. We've got this one. You've played this one. I think it was like Titanfall and Fallout 3. Um, we had like two of the Assassin's Creed games. And I'm like... You know, I tried Assassin's Creed like a while ago, like years ago, and got frustrated because I got lost. There was some place on the map that I was supposed to go, and I could not figure out where I was supposed to go. I was completely lost. I'm like wandering in the wilderness for 40 days. I mean, it was horrible. And so I had just given up on Assassin's Creed. I'm like, nope, can't do it. And my husband, my husband and I, I um, had mentioned this, I think, on a previous, um, I had either tweeted it out or had said it on a podcast, um, but I had said something about um, our idea of playing a video game is where I sit with the controller and my husband tells me what to do um, because that's how we roll in our house. <laughs> Because he is, um, he is, he sees a lot more than I do, uh, when it comes to stuff like that. And so I would be sitting and, and playing and he'd be like, you missed a chest back there. Um, when I was playing God of War and I'm like, okay, so I'd go back and get the chest or, you know, in Assassin's Creed, he'd be like, this is where you're supposed to go follow, you know, and he sits there and, and basically tells me where to go. Or if I get lost, he's able to like help me get out of being lost, um, and I'm like, that is how we roll in our house. Pam um, sits with the controller and the husband like navigates. Um, but you know, it's what works for us. Um, and I'm pretty sure that even if I asked him not to, he wouldn't be able to stop. So, um, I just, <laughs> I just kind of roll with it. Um, because it really does make playing video games just a little bit easier and a lot more fun because they're more interactive, uh, with your uh, partner that way. So. Um, okay, so we've talked about video games for like 10 minutes, um, <laughs> but it's stories story. are important. I mean, video games, but it, it's still part of the story. Everything has a story in it, it in between movies, music, video games, everything. It's all there to ways to absorb story. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I love to read. Um, I know you had mentioned uh, National Geographic from when you were a kid, and I, I was the weird kid that read the encyclopedia for fun um and so you know because we had like the set i don't know um i know you're probably old enough to remember um that some of the younger millennials uh, that listen to the show might not be um but encyclopedias were basically um dictionaries for facts um and, you know, you, you would have the alphabetized books, you would have like A and everything in that would be starting, would start with A. You'd have like Antarctica and then you'd have this little article on Antarctica. And I was the weird kid that read those for fun, um, just to, just to absorb new facts and just to absorb new information. Um, it helped that I was homeschooled um, and my mom encouraged us to learn in pretty much any way um we wanted to um we of course had the pre-prescribed um stuff that we had to learn um to make the state happy um 
But then on top of that, you know, we had all of this other time on our hands that we were able to read. We were able to watch movies. We were able to, you know, do all of this other stuff and just learn in the way that worked for us. Um, and I, you know, have decided that when my husband and I have our kid, I would love to homeschool as well because I want them to have that experience. You should not always just be stuck in a classroom with a teacher talking at you. Um, you know, that should not be the end all be all of learning and education, in my opinion. <laughs> Your opinion's not different. My son, we, um, you know, homeschooling, we, um, we send him to a private school. It's a Montessori school. Oh, I, love uh, I don't know if you've ever, mm-hmm. yep. yeah, yeah, he goes to that. So I, I, I walk in and the kids are, nobody's at a desk. Yeah. Everybody's doing interactive things. And we wanted that for him. So, we pay a pretty penny for it, but it's the same idea. It's yeah. not the learning that, like, I, I went to public school, so it was, you know, sitting at a desk, someone writes something on a board, and if you absorb it or you don't, it's all, you know, some people don't absorb that way, some people don't. Yeah. Um, I was an exceptional student, so um, I absorbed it fairly quickly, but so we didn't... Um, we didn't want that for him. We wanted him to learn the way he did. So yeah. it's the same me- method you're kind of talking about. We just pay a lot of money. For yeah. My, um, my mom and I were talking, um, you know, earlier this year, um, I got uh, my ADHD diagnosis. Um, I know you've probably seen me mention it a few times on Twitter. Um, but you know, earlier this year I got that diagnosis and I was talking to my mom about it because one of the criteria um, to get diagnosed as an adult is to talk to your family members to find out if those were symptoms or those were things that you struggled with as a kid. Um, And because regardless of your age, ADHD will typically show up in childhood. Mm -hmm. And you know, my, my mom and I were talking one day and I'm like, you know, did I struggle with inattention? Did I struggle with distractibility? And she was like, yeah, uh, like big time. Um, but I think a lot of why I did not struggle, um, as much as I could have was because I was homeschooled, you know, because my mom was able to find out, okay, this is how she learns let's, you know, work with the distractibility, um, you know, don't make her focus on one thing for a long period of time. Um, it took her a long time to realize that when I told her mom, I need music to be able to concentrate. She listened. Um, and we didn't really have the whole headphone thing. They were like these tiny little foam things that were just terrible. Um, Oh yeah. I remember those, (laughs) but you know, but she, you know, she got to a point that she was, you know, able to work with, um, my inattention and my distractibility and at the same time instill that love of learning. So by the time I got to high school and, you know, I'm having to sit at a desk, I'm having to listen to the teacher talk. I'm having to deal with the, Um, you can't just get up and leave the room whenever you want to. Um, I had already had that love of learning instilled in me. So it was easier. Okay. She's going to teach me something. I want to learn. Let's do this. Um, and so I think that being homeschooled as a child, especially with ADHD, that was unmedicated because my mom didn't want me on Ritalin. Can't say I blame her. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Ritalin is devil. Um, but she didn't want me medicated. So we found ways to work around it. Um, and so I think that being able to find those ways that you learn and being able to find those ways that you enjoy learning is so important. I, I can't even, t- I can't even explain just how important I think it is. Um, you know, and I think reading, uh, we'll get back to books, um, nice homage, um, or nice segue back to it. But I think that reading is, is a really important way to do that. Um, and teaching your kids, teaching young people to love books at a young age, they will love books their entire life. 
Um, that's not something, love of reading is not something that's ever going to go away once they've reached that point when they're a kid. Oh, absolutely. Right now I've got my son doing uh, two or three book reports this summer for me, but it's not on school related issues. He just read a book. It's um, like a D and D um, dungeons for kids. Like this uh, young girl wants to go to a uh, monster school. So it's a fiction novel, but it's a D and D he's got this dragon one. Uh, it's stories he gets to pick. Right. And his whole thing is, is to read them, enjoy them, tell me what he enjoys. So it's, to get because summer you, you just play all summer long type thing yeah. here but still to remember and, and to listen to him tell me what he loves about these stories and stuff like that is the whole purpose of me doing it even though the second he heard book report he was like oh my god like, no 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 not that kind of book report i just want to know what you enjoyed what that kind of stuff just to get him to, as he's growing to remember to read to have fun it's the whole point. Right. Well, and that's going to help, you know, having him come to you when he's done with the book um, and tell you what he liked about it is going to help with that reading comprehension and that reading retention that's going to serve him really well when he gets into high school and is going to have to start reading books like Wuthering Heights, Lord of the Flies, those books that are... <laughs> I, yeah, I totally, yeah. Um, I totally get it. You know, when he when he gets to high school and starts having to read those books that are immensely boring books. Um, yeah, Lord of the Flies, never again. Never, ever again will I read that book. As far as I'm concerned, I, I could burn it. <laughs> I, I don't believe I in burning it, books. And I know I've read these others, but because I had to, we all went through school and but i can't remember a thing like little snippets it's just all i can remember so i know my mind just kind of went forget that part this wasn't for you because i know i have but i couldn't tell you more than maybe a snippet that might come from that book i'm not even 100 percent sure i just know i read it around that period of time yeah. and that's my always big thing is, is about reading what you enjoy because if oh, you yeah. don't your mind has a way to go <laughs> out the door you don't even have to DNF it. You can just literally forget it. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's I and I. I don't DNF books very often. Neither um, do I. I you know, but at the same time, there's a reason that I call myself the picky bookworm um, because if I'm gonna start a book, I probably already know I'm going to like it. Mm -hmm. um it is a genre that i like it or it is an author that i like or the blurb just really grabbed me <clears throat> um i have not i've not read many books where i've started them and went um no uh, there was there was one book that i had gotten from netgalley um a couple of years ago and um it was a it was a book that it was a fiction book but it was set during the time um in the bible after jesus ascension to heaven and you know it's you know some of that period of time is not really mentioned very much in the bible so i was really curious to see how this author would pull it off and i started reading it and i'm like I got about 10 pages in and I'm like, okay, what? Because apparently Jesus left behind a pregnant widow. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Kind of. <laughs> I know you're shrugging. I'm sorry, I know people can't see me. It, it's, I went to Catholic school for through sixth grade before transitioning into regular public school and yeah, it's it's new, not in this news to me, but I won't. I'm not going to advocate that I'm in any way, you know, historian or anything. But I can definitely tell you, I've never heard that story. I I've never, never heard, heard I've never heard that story either. And you know, so I'm reading through and reading through the book, and I'm like, you know, I kind of feel like that would be something that if it actually happened, probably would have made it into the Bible just my personal opinion um just figured it might be important enough that they would include it 
So, you know, then I'm like, you know, okay, it is a fiction book, so I can get past that. I'm like, I, I will do my best to get past the Jesus Pregnant Widow. So then we can, so then I'm like, you know, continuing to read and start noticing, um, like Hindu religious, um, ways of worship, the ways that the Hindus, um, practice their religion. And I'm like, okay, so this is a, a book that is supposedly about Christians, but they're using Hindu religious practices during their church services. And it was at that point that I could not go any further <laughs> and contacted NetGalley and was like, Nope, can't do it. Cannot finish this book. Can't review it. Can't no, won't do it. And you know, and obviously you, I'm sure you've probably noticed I have not mentioned the book title or the book author. I don't do that when I am negatively talking about a book. I, I don't do that. Even if it's a book that I honestly don't think anybody in the world should ever read um, <laughs> because of the way that it was done. Um, but, you know, I, I just don't. I don't bash books and then say this is the title unless it's truly problematic. Um which, to be honest, you probably could tell that from a blurb or a quick review of the first couple of pages. You, you know, I, I would find, you know what I mean? I've never hit anything so bad that I probably wouldn't have caught it before I ever picked it up. Usually you don't get hit, at least I have found you don't get hit with the really bad stuff to where you're willing to call it out. Uh, right. It, just to surprise you in the middle of the book. Right. Well, and that was, and I, um, I was not very far into the book. Um, I want to say I was maybe like five or 10% into the book. Um, so it's, you know, you're right. It is one of those things that you're going to start noticing pretty quickly. Um, it's not, it's not something that they're going to wait till you're 75% of the way through the book and they'll go, Oh, by the way, <laughs> um, you know, I just, a lot of authors just don't do that. You know, if they're going to introduce something like that, they're going to introduce it pretty quickly. Um, and give you the option of whether you can um, deal with it and move on, or if you're going to do what I did and DNF the book. Uh, so um, it's, I don't know, it's just, that's, I, I just don't DNF books very often, so I can't even really think of very many that well, I've no, just... I I can re I can relate, and, and that's one of the big things for me, and especially as I try to, like, want to build up my own podcast. It's going to be very similar in theme to yours, just bringing, you know, uh, at least at the start, to bring um, kind of a spotlight to books, and especially within the indie community, because it's, they're just, one, they're more, you know, available. Yeah. And second is, is there's a lot of books out there is I don't DNF much either. I can actually usually claim I've only ever DNF one book and it wasn't poorly written. It wasn't any, I'm actually uh, somewhat friends with the author um, and whatnot. It just became a matter of there was some content in the middle that the, the book wasn't, I was reading it because it was a friend and it just didn't catch my attention. Yeah. But then there hit content that was – it's not that it was inappropriate or anything like that. It was it just – when you're already teetering on that edge of not really wanting to follow along and then you hit content you really just don't want to get through, you're just kind of like, okay, I, I think I've fallen off that cliff now. Yeah. And like I said, we're, we're still friends and stuff. Like, and they understand not everybody books for everybody. Yeah. But I'm like you. It's I'm pretty picky. But if once I've started, I almost all but guarantee I make – it to the end i even there was one book i loved when i say i don't dnf there were no chapters it's 400 pages i don't know if it was an editing mistake when when i say editing it was a formatting mistake but chapter one started on page one and the end was like page 400 and there was no breaks for is so i know it was a formatting issue oh, but they just never and i of gosh. course told them but it really makes for weird writing when you have nowhere to stop i mean sorry weird reading you have nowhere to stop. Yeah. I'm going to go to the end of the chapter and you're <laughs> 300, 
300 pages in and you haven't stopped because there's nowhere to stop. Oh my god. So that, it did make a slog. <laughs> that that reminds me of um <clears throat> I I am not a fan of historical fiction. Um mm-hmm. mostly because I am not a fan of history. Um, now that is not to say that I don't enjoy learning the random historical facts. Um, but when I was in high school, uh, you know, I had told you earlier that I was homeschooled up until high school. Um, and I started high school my freshman year and had the absolute worst history teacher on the face of the planet. I cannot even tell you. I can't even put into words how bad this teacher was. She was horrible. I was in eight classes that year and and had all A's and one C. And my mom could not figure out why I had that C. She was like, you have all A's in your other classes. I already know you're smart. I already know, obviously you're willing to do the work. Why do you have this C? And she comes home from meet the teacher night and she goes, yeah, I get it now. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, you know, cause you know, my mom is one of those people that if if it were an issue, if she had noticed that it was an issue with me just not wanting to do the work or me just being lazy or, um, you know, anything like that, she would call me out on it. You know, she is not one of those. She was never, ever, ever one of those moms that would contact the school and go, your teachers aren't teaching right. She has a C. You know, she would, she was not that kind of person. She would be like, okay, let's look at what you're doing first. And we're going to adjust your routine. We're going to adjust how you learn. You know, we're going to work on Pam first. And then if we're still having an issue, then we'll, you know, look for other options. (laughs) She comes home for a meet the teacher night and she's like, oh my God, I get it. And I'm like, thank you. Um, Because she was also the psychology and sociology teacher. And the the three subjects would bleed into each other. And so she um, would end up in the middle of class. Instead of teaching us history, she would teach us psychology. And so, and then she had told us, at the beginning of the school year, she had told us we could use our, our notes on the tests. The only issue being the notes that we took in class were never on the test. It was not until second semester that she told us that we were able to copy our homework assignments onto separate pieces of paper and those would count as notes that we could use on our tests. Second semester. So, yeah. So, all of that to say this. When you were talking about that book starting chapter one at at page one, chapter one ending at page 400, it reminded me of the history class that I had to take in college. And class would start at six. Class would end, it was supposed to end at 10, um, but he would let us go at 8.30. From six to 8.30, talking two and a half hours, He would sit. He wouldn't even stand or move around. He would sit at the front of the classroom and in the most boring, monotone voice, he would talk to us and he would tell us history stories that we could learn and use on the test for two and a half hours. Wow. I had some rough teachers, but nothing like that. Oh, oh wow. my God. I'd Fif- be asleep. There was an, oh Fif- my Lord. 15 minutes. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, I want to get a good grade so badly. And I would sit there and I would try so hard to take notes. And after 15 minutes, my eyes would glaze over. And I'm like, I, yeah, I couldn't, could not do it. So, you know, but there is the occasional time that 
I will uh, find something historical that is super interesting. Just not the way they teach it in classrooms. Just let us learn on our own when it comes to history. Um, you know, because I live in Oklahoma, never knew about the Tulsa race riots, never learned about them. And I live in Oklahoma, um, never learned about, um, in Tulsa, there's a, um, they call it the Greenwood District. Um, and back in the 20s, I believe it was, it was known as the Black Wall Street. Um, and then the Tulsa race riots hit, Greenwood was completely destroyed, and they've only recently been trying to build it back up to its former glory. Um, you know, but those were things, I didn't learn those in school. Because they don't teach those See, kinds of things in school. That's insane. Oh, oh, absolutely. It is insane, in which I, I, I'm on the polar opposite, because I live right now a hop, skip, and a jump away from Gettysburg. So oh, it's so all cool. It is unless you live here, <laughs> mostly because that's all you hear about. Everyone and everything is a battle of Gettysburg, like, you know, expert. And it's just kind of like, it's kind of like st living outside of a castle. You're like, after a while, that castle means nothing because you see it every single day. I mean, yeah. I can get to Gettysburg from where I work in minutes and it's just kind of like, it's a college town. I know there's history, but at this point in time for me, it's a college town. So you just, just want to learn something new. Okay. Show pretty me much. New. We want to switch areas, <laughs> at least when it comes to learning. I'm not much for the heat, so I'm not moving south in any way, shape, or form. But <laughs> Nebraska, my four years in Nebraska, I don't know if it was the coolest four years they ever had, but it definitely wasn't that warm. So, but I mean, it's been over 10 years since I was there. So, but uh, I'm from the uh, part of New York where I'm from is the mountains. It's like, give me 30 degrees, three fourths of the year. I'm perfectly happy. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, it's been um, between, I think the coolest it's been since like the middle of May, um, I think was like 79 degrees. Um, and it's been like 103, 102. Um, that's a little warm even for me. I, I like to be warm. I do not like to be cold. Um, but that's, that's a little much even for me. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really ready for it to get, you know, fall to hit and for it to get down to like, you know, 75 is about the perfect temperature for me. Oh yeah. You know, Absolutely. It's just gorgeous weather. You know, you can go outside, you're not going to sweat your face off. Um, and you know, you can enjoy the warmth of the sunshine, but you're not going to melt. You go outside right now, you're going to melt. <laughs> I agree. We're not, we're not that hot, but it's humid as all get out. So it feels like it's a hundred degrees outside. So. I, I feel like the whole earth is just on fire right now. Um, okay. So let's, um, we've got about 15 minutes left and I really want to, um, talk about your podcast, um, okay. for, for a couple minutes. Cause I know that you had sure. said, um, you were wanting to, um, start a new podcast and, and wanting to, um, you know, start highlighting all of those indie books and, and indie yeah. authors, um, very similar to what I do, which makes me so happy. Uh, <laughs> it does. It makes my heart so happy. We need more, uh, we need more podcasters and, and more people that are going to help uh, showcase uh, the indie community because there's so many amazing people and so many amazing books um, out there that just, they need all the love we can give them. Um, not even mm -hmm. joking. So um, what, what are you looking for? Um, you know, like theme wise or, or layout wise, how are you wanting to, to do your podcast? Well, the big thing is, is right now, the one thing I'm really interested in looking into, and I'm going to start reaching out now that I got anything is, have you ever heard of what they people ironically call Spiffbo? It's called, this was started by Mark Lawrence. Uh, he is an author and for some reason he decided he wanted to really help with the indie community. So he started what is called the self-published fantasy blog off. 
So he collects. That's what those, that's what that acronym I keep yes. saying on Twitter is. Oh! That, yes, it is 300 fantasy novels get entered into a slosh pile. And then depending on the number of bloggers, they get attached to it. They will get broken apart in that number of bloggers. And then they will re- review and down to each blog person gets to their, like, in their pile down to one book. And then all the bloggers will read the, each person's one selection until they vote and create the one book that takes kind of the victory. And I think they're on year nine or ten. And the big thing is, is Spiffbo's grown big enough that uh, mo- at least a good chunk of the winners have actually got traditional uh, contracts out of it because they're like, these are good enough that they're throwing money at these books. And to be honest, there's no reason we can't, people can't grow that even bigger. Because me, I, I love book blogs. My problem is for myself, I hate writing blogs. I spend, if I'm writing, I'm spending time writing my book. Right. So, but I do love talking. <laughs> so podcasting is a little bit easier for me because I just, I'll talk better than I will. Because if I'm going to sit and type, it's, I might as well just write my next novel. So to help bring out some of that, because even blogs only reach so far right. and then to, to bring out a little bit, I'm trying to tread the line on who's the podcast truly aimed for. Is it more writers or is it the readers? Because, you know, every writer is a reader, but not every reader is a writer. Right. So the big thing is, is it's where to tread that line only because, um, if you have writers only talk about how they write, the readers are kind of here more for the story right. than they are. You know what I mean? So I want to start off with a, a, an inclination really towards the readers because let's get even more, you know, spotlight for the readers. I mean, for the writers so that readers can be found and to grow from there because there's still many, many fantasy books and oh my God, the thriller so slash horror out there 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 is fantasy i love when people try to narrow it down i'm like fantasy covers practically everything there's fantasy romance fantasy thriller fantasy fantasy horror military you know it, it's pretty much a blanket you yeah. say fantasy and you've narrowed it down by like i don't know 20 percent of all the books written out there I and mean, it, 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 that's the thing it's such a blanket so to just try to get more of them out there plus to just grow more of the reach of the community because not everybody's on Twitter. Right. To be honest. Not I I have a love hate relationship with Twitter. I, I really do. I've been I think a member since two thousand fourteen or something like that. But I have deleted it off my phone more than two or three dozen times where I just I can't do it. I think I don't know, just the some of the you know, the just the sludge of it sometimes gets to you and you're just like, I ain't doing this anymore. Turn it off and then then you come back and then you turn off. The writing community has been great since I kind of found that within the last couple of months. Um, I, me personally, I wish there's a better way to, uh, to interact because yeah. there are many, many where it's. I just listened to one of your um, podcasts where you mentioned someone had put a put out. You know, I want to follow all those who aren't vaccinated. We won't go into anything like that, <laughs> but it was the clickbait. It's, you know, it's the clickbait. Let's just see how many people I can get likes or comment because it it bugs the algorithm. I would rather have 200 followers and talk with all 200 of those followers than have 5,000 and just because it's a big number. Yeah. And so I love the interaction and to be able to talk to other writers about their books and get other people because I spend either half my time reading or half my time writing. And it, it's such a solitary thing is to help grow that beyond even just like what you're doing beyond just 280 characters. Yeah. Whatever Twitter's up to at the moment. <laughs> Twi- yeah. Twitter is on 280 characters. Um, you know, I, I totally get what you mean um, about the um, you know, the drama and the potential. I don't see a lot of it. Um, the potential toxicity um, of Twitter. Um, I was talking to somebody um, week before last, I think it was last podcast episode, I had mentioned that, um, you know, you, you see what you interact with. Um, 
on, on Twitter. That's the way that Twitter's algorithm works. If you like something, if you comment on something, regardless of what your comment contains, whether it is, you know, you see this tweet that somebody is, you know, saying something just horribly homophobic or transphobic or, you know, anything like that, and you comment on that post to tell them they're wrong, to tell them they're a piece of crap, to tell them you hate them, and, you know, anything like that, you've interacted with that tweet. So Twitter is going to say, oh, this person inter- engaged with this tweet. They want to see more like that. Yep, and absolutely. So, yeah, so you start seeing more of what you interact with. And I think a lot of the reason why I don't see a lot of the toxicity or a lot of the drama um, that other people have run into on Twitter um, is because I follow that rule almost religiously. <laughs> like, if I don't want to see more of a certain person's tweet, if I don't want to see more of a certain subject, I won't even like it. I won't even um, comment, even if my comment is going to be, you're wrong, here's why. Um, because then Twitter's going to show me more of that. And, Absolutely. you know, and I try to keep my Twitter as positive an atmosphere as I can because my mental health is worth it. Um, you know, so yeah, Twitter has the potential for being just really toxic. Um, and the, you know, again, the algorithm, I have just over 7,000 followers. I think I interact with maybe 50 of them at a time, which, which is definitely normal. It's just that like, I I've seen some people, it's, you know, it's the big counts, it's the big counts. And to me, it's just, I want to be part of the community, but I also want to grow a little more organically than sometimes the algorithm and stuff like that. And to help other authors where, you know, I see my own books on that kind of stuff, you know, like once people see things, it, the more people see it, the better chance you have. It's all part of the, the growth mentality. So I, I really want to do the podcast that way just to help because what you're doing is great. It really, like I said, I, I listen to every week and I was listening to a lot of the past ones when you're out, even just for a week. Uh, so it's a matter of doing very similar and kind of turning my own style on it right now. That's where it's going to start. But who knows where it goes because that, even your podcast has grown. Going back oh, to yeah. your very first ones to to this one, I even myself, I was like, wow, her podcast has really changed in, 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 a, in a good way. Yeah. It's If you play one, you know, your first, first, your 103rd, they're not the same. No. They, they really aren't. No, and they really, really, really are not. I, I remember I still tell the story about my first um, episode, um, that was, um, my friend Esther, um, I had asked her to come on the show and it's the episode with Esther. It shows up at like around episode 50 or something like that. Um, because I had, um, I did not have a whole lot of experience with anchor and I had reverted it to a draft because I needed to update some stuff. But I learned that when you revert to a draft and then you republish, it does not republish back where it started. It republishes in that spot on that day. So my very first um, episode with Esther is not actually my very first episode on the on the anchor on the anchor list. Um, but our our chat was thirty minutes long um, because I was so nervous that after 30 minutes, my stomach was in absolute knots. And I was like, yeah, I gotta go. <laughs> so I mean, you if you listen to the episode, you'll really kind of notice that it just kind of ends. Um, because I had just reached a point that I'm like, I, I need to not be recording right now. <laughs> No, I had, no, I actually haven't gotten that one yet, but that's good to know because I may be using the anchor too. So, uh, I know me and you talked a little bit of before we even started yeah. uh, that way because the, the ease at which it uses. So no, I'm, I'm hoping to get it started pretty soon. I know I've gotten all my equipment now. It's time to start lining people up and I will be bringing you on at some point in time in here. So yes, and, and it's going to be a way to help authors reach other people and build even within their own communities. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. So, 
Yeah, that, um, you know, I, I had taken, um, you know, I, I love what you're talking about, um, about building community and um, enlarging the community. Um, because, you know, I had, when I first started the Picky Bookworm, I started on free WordPress. I had absolutely no idea that the book blog community was so big. I literally thought it was my first idea. Um, I was the first one that had ever thought of it. I didn't know other book blogs existed, like nothing. I had no clue at all whatsoever. And, you know, then start noticing, you know, it's kind of like when you buy a red car, you start seeing red cars everywhere. Um, oh, yeah. You know, when I started my book blog and, you know, start, I just wanted to talk about books. And so my first few posts were all book reviews. Um, and then I started taking part in some of the various book tags. And then I started taking part in other things and then started adding other stuff and realized that none of that was fun for me anymore. And so I took it back down to the very basics and we got about five minutes left, so I will make it quick. Um, and, you know, took it back down to the very basics and said, okay, I'm just going to write book reviews. That's it. And, you know, as time went on and I started the podcast and started meeting other authors and started working with them, um, then started my, the proofreading branch and the editing branch and, and all of that. Um, you know, I realized that in writing book reviews and in writing all of the other posts that I write, I'm helping to foster a community um, where authors can feel supported, where authors can feel encouraged, um, where they can feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves, part of that legacy of the self-published world, because it really is. It's a legacy that they're leaving behind. Um, Absolutely. And the world deserves to see all of that. Um, and so I just kind of started moving um, the picky bookworm over into that community space. Um, you know, I started moving my podcast episodes more into the chat format, um, even though they've really always kind of been like that, um, you know, just making sure that they that they stay in that that super fun space. Um, I opened the discussion forum on my website um, for authors to come where they don't have to game an algorithm in order for people to see them, um, you know, and just kind of working over into that, that building a community, that community space um, that we all just want to be a part of. Um, and I think Absolutely. that, and I think that your podcast is going to be a huge part of that. And I am so excited to come be a guest. <laughs> so excited. So, oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay. So we've got um, about three minutes left real quick. Um, where can people find you? Where can they come say hi? All right. Uh, the biggest areas is, uh, Twitter and my website. Uh, my website is worldsbyrow.com. And on, I believe my Twitter handle is also Worlds by Row, which is R O H for Row. Um, yep, it's Worlds by Row. I had to open Twitter just to double check. I'm on other social medias, but I check it like once a quarter. So the chances of finding me are, are absolutely minimal. So, yes, my website uh, needs a little updating, but it's not that bad. It's just several attempts at a blog. That's why I'm doing a podcast. I'm just that bad at <laughs> blogging. Uh, but books and stuff uh, are only slightly behind. But no, I do actually at least regularly check that. But the biggest thing is if anywhere is, is Twitter. I love and talking with people like direct uh, more than answering questions. So that's at Worlds by Row for Twitter. I'm on there. Um, yeah, it's the biggest two areas to get a hold of me. And then once my podcast actually goes active, uh, a lot of those may also be uh, posted off my website eventually as well. You so it'd be easiest. You can actually turn, I wanted to tell you this before we ran out of time, um, through Anchor, you can actually turn your podcast episode into a blog post through Anchor. And that's what I'll be looking to do. So that way I can speak instead of typing. Yes. So uh, that way, because like I said, I, I really want to move into that realm and just to grow the community of it. I've loved podcasts for a very long time. And to me, the the books... The reading, the writing, the uh, writers, everything is it's what I'm looking forward to. So, ex yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to get to be a guest. I'm so excited to check it out. 
um, and and share and help um, build our community just a little bit more. So excited. Um, well, Ro, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. I have had an thank absolute you. blast. Um, and I look forward to coming and talking with you again on your podcast and, and helping build that as well. So thanks again for, for joining me today. It was a blast. Well, thank you. And again, belated, happy birthday. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Bye.